This is Floyd Hughes, pastor of Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. I just wanted to share about my new book, Act Like an E-Christian. The E stands for evangelical. And despite what you may have heard, evangelical Christianity has nothing to do with politics. It has to do with the reason the body of Christ exists, sharing the gospel. My book, a devotional based on the book of Acts, prayerfully encourages Christ followers to return to our evangelical roots of sharing the gospel with folks in our circles of influence. It's available on Amazon in paperback and for Kindle, and you can pick up a copy today. Thanks and God bless. You're the coolest. No, you're the coolest. No, you're the coolest. Okay, I'm the coolest. Pastor Floyd Hughes from Crossroads Community Church in Jefferson Hills with Mark Berkshire with Mark Berkshire Ministries in Fairchance, Pennsylvania. And we are talking about violence and how people of faith can respond to the increased levels of violence in our nation. But as Mark and I were just talking about, uh, we, we were sharing our thoughts and opinions on the verdict in the Derek Chauvin trial that just was announced last night um, and him being declared guilty on all three points of uh, all three charges against him for the death of George Floyd. And we were talking about one, how we were grateful that there was no violence uh, that we could see. We could be wrong uh, that, that we're aware of that occurred. Uh, But as Mark was just saying, it, it doesn't feel like it's over yet that that, you know, this t- this is one step in a larger piece of uh, a conflict that our nation is still dealing with. And it's not just a racial conflict down the road. We'll talk about racism. We've talked about it before. It's more of the need to respond with violence, um, especially when things don't go your way. And I think a good picture of that is the individual that was shot just days before the verdict was announced, uh, the accidental shooting by a police officer, uh, white police officer, female, black male, teenager, teen, young adult, who, uh, yes, resisted arrest and in the process was shot by the police officer. Um, and this city responded with violence. And that seems to be the, and, and there are two sides of that, but I'm going to let you kind of share your thoughts on that first. And we'll, we'll, we'll kind of go from there. But that, that seems to be the normal that if you don't agree with something that happened, that you go out and burn something down. Um, it just seems to be what our country, what our society what our culture is developing into. Um, It's not a healthy um, evolving at all. Um, And it's, it, it doesn't matter. I don't think at this point, it doesn't matter what anyone would say to change it. Um, comes back to what we we in the church know is that we are all fallen 
we're all sinners. We all deserve a guilty verdict. Um, but because of the blood of Christ, we've got mercy. And um, that's something that people don't see. I mean, the root cause of all of this is sin. Plain and simple. Um, and it can be a professing Christian that's out there burning something, which I know of in Minnesota, that is all into the, to the, um, you know, this is, they were prepared last night if the verdict went any other way than it did to start burning things down. And um, that's not a Christ-like response in any man manner. It is a sin response. All right. So I'm, I'm going to jump in here and just add one thing because I don't think either of us is saying that when a wrong has been done that Christians should not respond. Oh no, no, not at all. Yeah. I want, I want to reiterate that because part of the, all of Christianity is based on us responding to the world against the natural order of the world, which is sin. Uh, right. So we should respond. We should stand up when wrongs are done. We should speak out on behalf of those who are wronged and we're, or when we see an injustice. It's just a matter of how we respond. Um, that's the question. Uh, how do people of faith respond when there are wrongs going on? And when it's a persistent wrong, because that's the claim here that there's uh, persistent racism throughout our culture. And again, this isn't focused on racism, but how do people of faith respond when there's a persistent wrong that we keep trying, we keep trying, but we don't feel we're being heard? Then is that a cause for violence or, or what should the actions, and I'm going to say what you did. Number one, I think this all goes back to sin. Number two, of course, I'm going to blame the pulpit because if the church had been teaching and preaching about injustice, about racism, about the proper way to stand up and encouraging people, yes, to stand up. We wouldn't have this much of a problem. But again, that's a whole other podcast. So uh, when there's a persistent wrong that we feel has been done, how can and should the body of Christ respond in a way that makes them feel like their voice is heard? Well, I think there's there's a couple different ways that that we can respond. Um, one is, as you said, standing up for the biblical stance. Um, I, I think of the story of Joseph when he was sold into slavery by his brothers. And for all of those years and everything that happened to him, he didn't just roll over and be a floor mat he took things into his own hands and made his position known and, and stood up for the principles of God by his actions. Um, Paul and, and, and all of his missionary journeys, 
the same thing. They were being wronged, but they stood up for their their principles didn't always go the way they wanted them to go. They often were beaten. They often were thrown into jail. But they still stood up and had a voice for the Lord. Um, again, I, I, I'm, you know, as you said, I'm not saying that we should just roll over and let people walk all over us. That's not what Christian faith is all about. And if you read about the disciples, you'll read, you'll find that Peter never rolled over <laughs> and let anybody walk on him. Um, David, the same way. Uh, there's just so many of them that didn't. We come to this with prayer. I mean, that has to be the key. You have to, when somebody wrongs you, the Bible says that we are to pray for our enemies. Don't like them. Don't want to pray for him. Don't desire to pray for him. But we are commanded by God to pray for those who harm us, those who uh, beat us, those who say bad things about us, those who um, who come against us. We are to pray for them. That's the first thing we are to do. And I think... Um... <clears throat> The life of Jesus is is also another example of that because he literally stood up to the total misunderstanding of how the, well, it wasn't Christian at the time, but what the Jews believed was this is the way we're supposed to live our life by these laws and this. And he stood up to them regularly, consistently, day in, day out. But I think we also have to be willing to pay the consequences. And I think one of the reasons there's so much violence is because people want to respond, but then they don't want to pay the consequence for responding. And if you're bucking the law or the system, there's going to be a consequence. And I mean, if you take it back to outside of the gospel, but even, you know, our nation as a whole, when we defied England and said, hey, we're going out on our own, there was a severe financial and militaristic consequence for doing that. And there was a lot of people who were not willing to pay that consequence because they didn't want to risk what they had. And there were a lot of people who were. So if we're going to stand and they they when we did it, we did it the right way. That's what the Declaration of Independence is all about is we're going to defy you. We realize there's consequences. Here are our grievances. And we're declaring we don't want any part of what you're doing. And it was, I know a lot of people will deny this, but it was based on the Bible. It was based on God has given us inalienable rights, which you are violating. We're not going to stand for it. Right. And that, and that costs them a lot. So uh, I think if you're going to take a stand, you have to be willing to also deal with the consequences. And there are, there are steps to it. I don't think your first thing out the gate is, you know, outright defiance. I think your first thing out the gate is to make your voice heard. Do that without hurting others. You know, we are a nation that allows peaceful protests. And I, I far too many pastors and church folk won't go out and protest for things that are wrong. They'll go out and protest for all the social justice things, but they won't go out and protest for the things that are actually 
wrong and stand up for the things that God says are right. And I think that's, that's part of also part of the problem. Sometimes we're protesting the wrong thing. And I have to share this quote just because I'm a comic book nerd. It's not from the Bible. It's not from, <clears throat> excuse me, not from God. Uh, it's from Captain America. <laughs> one of my favorite quotes. And I even, they even used it in one of the MCU movies, one of the Avengers movies. I think it was the Civil War one or a Captain America movie that was the Civil War one. And he says, doesn't matter what the press says, doesn't matter what the politicians or the mob say, doesn't matter if the whole country decides that something wrong is something right. This nation was founded on one principle above all else, the requirement that we stand up for what we believe, no matter the odds or the consequences. When the mob and the press and the whole world tell you to move, your job is to plant yourself like a tree beside the river of truth and tell the whole world, no, you move. And I think the church has got to, we've got to understand that the whole reason we're here is to stand up for the kingdom of God, which the whole world says is not worth their time or not worth believing in. And if we're not willing to stand up uh, for injustice and for wrongs, then we're not really representing God's kingdom because we see that's what Jesus did over and over and over and over again. Um, so here's another question though. So what about when, and this is maybe a little bit off topic, but I feel this needs to be said. And I have to preface this with I'm registered independent, not Democrat, not Republican, but there's a part of me that was a little bit angry when I heard a representative, whatever her name is, Maxine Walters, make statements encouraging people to riot. And she was defended by, first of all, that violated the whole issue of the trial. That's a whole other discussion. But uh, she was defended by social media, by other legislators. And I'm like, wait a second, didn't we just have a whole trial court case you know, about President Trump removed permanently from social media for doing just the same thing. And his words were not as direct as hers. So right. I'm like, how does that how does that fly? How do we how does that stand when even people in our government are advocating for violence when it fits their needs? This is something that a lot of a lot of believers don't go for either but if we want to make a difference in our culture as as believers then run for an office i don't care if it's dog catcher run for an office make a difference that way make your voice be heard make god's voice be heard by sticking up and standing up for our beliefs in the poli the political atmosphere. Um, you know, people say, well, church and politics aren't supposed to go together. The Bible is formed. The Bible was full of politicians. David was a king. Joseph yeah. worked for the Egyptians. Yeah, prime minister of Egypt. Yeah. Daniel worked for the, for the Babylonians. They were all politicians. God used them in a mighty way. 
Now, I'm not saying everyone is cut out to be a politician. That's not what I'm saying, and I would never say that. But if you feel that strongly about a, a problem in your, your area, then stand up and make a, make a voice for it. Even if you don't win, you're actually putting your voice out there and saying what the problem is. And I'm going to add, because you brought that up, um, and, and I'll say this just so everyone is aware, we don't have a list of what we're, <laughs> we usually have just a theme, and then we just let God guide the conversation. So the questions I'm throwing at Mark, he had no idea I was going to ask. I had no idea I was going to ask. Uh, we're just playing this by ear as we go along. Uh, but since you brought it up, Daniel, not only did he work for the government, he stood up to and opposed three different kingdoms in our terms, administrations that were directly opposed to his way of life, uh, his uh, not only political perspective, but also his religious beliefs. Mm -hmm. And he stayed. He could have stepped down uh, and said, hey, you know, that's OK. And at any point. But he stayed and worked for three different administrations, every single one opposed to his way of belief, opposed to his political belief. Um, and one of them, who was the one responsible for dragging him from his home in chains and drastically changing his life. So and he still worked for them. So uh, I agree. I think we can we can everyone thinks that, well, I can only work for, you know, the political thing that that thinks like me. I'm I think if more Christians were running as independent, standing on a firm Christian belief, not a democratic belief, not a Republican belief, because then you're beholden to those parties. And each of them has some stuff that agrees, but in my opinion, not 100% that agrees. And it's not about starting a whole other party, just standing firm on a, I'm here as a Christ follower. And I think this is right. And I think this is wrong. So I agree. I think more people should run uh, for office. Um, but I also think that when people stand up and make their voice heard, uh, there has to be a way to where people uh, don't, their first reaction isn't a violent one. There has to be something that, that makes people say, hey, I need to respond to this. Because even when you look and people respond to comments online, it's usually a violent blankety blank, blah, 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 blah thing. And a lot of those are Christian folks. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I got to admit, I don't know about you, I got to admit, there's a lot of times I see something and I've wanted to type out and I've had to like, well, to be honest, being transparent, had the Holy Spirit like, okay, you know, Floyd, just shut up. <laughs> yeah. Put the phone down and, and, and walk away. I, I have actually typed those things out and then erased them because the Holy Spirit says no. <laughs> you know, and then there are other times that I have just let myself get involved and put my own words in there and made a mess of things. Um, we, we need to approach it with prayer first. I mean, that's the only way we can do it. I mean, that we cannot do this on our own. We can never be a good person. I don't care who you are on your own. You cannot do it. We have to have the Holy Spirit guiding us 
to become that person that we want to be. I, I literally just wrote down on my whiteboard over here. My whole desk is like a whiteboard. So I've been taking notes and I just wrote down Holy Spirit right before you, you, you uttered that. So, yeah. um, but what can congregations do? Uh, and I know you've seen this and I've seen this in some of the pastoral groups who we're a part of, uh, not just last night, but when things come up and someone will ask, hey, how are you going to talk about, you know, whatever, whether it be a racial thing, a political thing, whatever, with your congregation. And a lot of the pastors are like, I'm not going to talk about that. It has nothing to do with God or the Bible or whatever. So how do we get congregations, especially specifically pastors, to acknowledge that if we aren't talking about what's going on in the culture, then people are getting educated by other people in the culture instead of by here's God's perspective on this issue. And I get that every time something comes up, you don't want to shift and devote a whole service in the Sunday celebration to that topic. But if the church doesn't talk about these topics, then how are people going to learn? Here's God's stance on these topics. So how do we get that out to the congregations? Pastors need to be trained that these topics are covered in the Bible, every last one of them. Um, there's no exceptions. Everything we go through in our culture is in the Bible, in one form or another. And if we're teaching the entire Bible, if we're teaching the whole counsel of God's word, these tough subjects are going to come up. And if a pastor isn't prepared to talk about them, to deal with them, or even just bring them up in a quick pass by, then he's not into the word of God. Well, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be critical, but I think you and I both know a lot of pastors don't teach the entire counsel exactly. of the word of God. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with teaching predominantly out of the New Testament because it's a, a strong basis for our faith. But if you're not teaching where that comes from, there's not a lot of places, and I'm just thinking off the top of my head, so I might be wrong. For example, where it talks about racism in the New Testament. There's not a whole lot. The book of Acts. The yeah, Jews, I mean. The Jews were were racist against any Gentile that came along. Yeah, but if you're not teaching through the book of Acts, then Jesus. you're not. I mean, you go through the Gospels, it's there. You go through Romans, it's there. You go through First and Second Corinthians, it's there. Well, that's what I mean. If it's, it's, it's there, but it's a subtle, it's not out and out talking about racism no there's no so if, if, if you're only sticking to teaching through the new testament you're not going to hit those tough passages like in jonah where it's it's blatant god's like i don't care that you don't like them and they're another nation and they think differently and they look differently and they are different you better go and if you won't go i'm going to send a whale after i mean you don't get that kind of stuff you don't get in in throughout the entire all the kingdom books you know, where it talks about all of these different races, you don't get where the prophets, where it talks about, yes, their races, they're different, but they're going to end up bowing to me, to God and God's perspective on them. You don't get all of that 
if you only stick to the New Testament. No, you don't get the history of it all. But you could preach the you could preach the entire New Testament and hit these topics in your face. Jesus and the woman at the well. The disciples said, you don't want to be around this woman. This isn't the woman we want around to associate with us. She's a Samaritan by, you know, by all respect. We don't talk to Samaritans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jesus said, that's exactly who I want to talk to. Yeah. You know, so it's there if you're looking for it. So then I'm not, I'm, I guess I'm, then I'm not uh, understanding. And I guess you're right. It, it's there. Uh, and it's, it's easier to understand it if you have the history, mm-hmm. right? If you know, like going back through the Old Testament and you know the history between the Jews and the Samaritans. So when you talk about that, you're going to emphasize, this isn't just, you know, hey, she's a neighbor I don't like. This is, this is a, a longstanding racial feud. <laughs> That yeah. goes back to the Old Testament. So you're going to spend some time on that. And I guess that's why if you don't teach the entire council, you'll just gloss over that without understanding why they don't talk to Samaritans. Right. Um, and and then, then Jesus winds it all down when the disciples ask him, what is the greatest commandment that you give us? And he says, First off, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, and here's a a lot of pastors, because they don't study, read, or teach the Old Testament, don't understand that that is based off of an Old Testament principle out of Leviticus. I want to say 19. I might be wrong. It might be 21, 20, or 26, but Leviticus, where... God takes the time to talk about the alien living amongst you, the person who has a need, the person who's different there, love them because I am the Lord, your God. And here's how you treat them. So it wasn't this new thing that Jesus was coming up with. It's a longstanding principle, which is why Jesus went through the whole story of there's a guy who's going down and he gets robbed. And then this person who is not like him, doesn't look like him, think like him, vote like him, believe like him gets in trouble and he spends his time and his money to help them. And, and again, which is why I blame the pulpit, because I think what you said is so crucial. If you're teaching it regularly, then when it comes up in the culture, you won't have to teach your congregation or talk about, you know, it every time because they'll already know, yeah, this is exactly what we talked about. Yeah whether it be racial, political division, cultural division, how do you deal with you know aliens at the border, all this stuff. We've already talked about all this. So you already know how to respond. Mm-hmm. Uh, you shouldn't have to spend more than a few seconds saying, hey, we're not, you know, this isn't what our sermon is on, but blah, blah, blah. And then, and then moving on. And the sad thing is, I'll take it a step further, blaming the pulpit blaming the institutions that are supplying the pastors, the men and women in those pulpits, because seminaries don't preach or don't teach the full counsel of the Bible anymore. A lot of them. Well, a, a lot of them don't teach the Bible. Exactly. They've moved away to a whole new age type deal. So it's hard finding a, 
truly Holy Spirit driven, biblically based seminary. And I'm not critical of seminaries. I'm just saying they have one purpose, equip pastors to preach and teach the word of God and to shepherd a congregation. And they're not doing that anymore. Right. They're not. And, and, and like you said, there are some that are, I mean, there's few, but they are few and far between. And, um, and that's why it's so important for the believer, the Christ follower, who is serious about getting to know God, to get into the word and start questioning these men and women that are in the pulpits when they don't agree with what the Bible says. Yeah, I just feel like that's a hard that's a hard battle because some people are so uh what's the word um defensive of their denominational affiliation yeah even when that denominational affiliation contradicts or strays from the word of god it's the same way some people are so defensive of their political party even when an individual in the party or the party does something that contradicts or strays from the word of God. Yeah. And, 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 and it is, and, and that's, that's why you and I have talked about this many times before. Denominationalism is not a thing to follow. You don't follow your denominations. You follow the word of God, period. Yeah. If it's not building the kingdom, then it's not a denomination that I want to be a part of. Yeah. And and just to be clear, we're not hating on denominations. No. Although I'm, I'm going to be 100% honest speaking for me, Floyd, there are some that I do hate because they are leading people astray. But being a part of denomination, it's kind of like being a, a part of a congregation. Uh, that's just a path and a resource to help equip you to do what God has called you to do. Um, The church or the people, it's not the denomination. And the moment they consistently stray from the word of God, cut them off. And and that's what I love about working with a persecuted church. Because there are no denominations in the persecuted church. Yeah, they're just like, give me the Bible and the word of God. Yeah, that's all they want. And that's all we need. If more believers would do that and say that's all i need then and i'm not again we're not downing church we're not downing anything like that but we're, we're saying all we need is the bible and the holy spirit that's what we need you know all right, so we're going to turn this back to violence and uh we're going to wind it down i feel like this is a short one because we've really laid it out for people um just the general you know hey there's nothing wrong with standing up for what you believe in we are called to stand up for what is right we are called to speak out against what is wrong we are not called to violence unless god calls us to it that's my personal opinion and Mm -hmm. there's nothing against you know the people that sign up for law enforcement because i have family members and friends who are in law enforcement i pray for them daily there's nothing wrong with 
signing up for the military. I've been in the military. I've served 12 years, <clears throat> but responding first and foremost with violence is, is not the way. And I've had people say, well, there is such a thing as a righteous violence. Cause like Jesus flipped the, the tables in the temple and drove out the money changers. I was like, first of all, that's God. <laughs> and that was his house. <laughs> so he has the authority <laughs> to do that. We don't, unless he specifically tells you to, and you better make sure if you're saying God told me that it was literally, you know, the voice of God speaking to you, like Moses saying, go forth and do this. Cause otherwise you're on your own. And again, you better be ready for the consequences. Exactly. Yeah. So, even if God tells you. Yeah. If, if, yeah, if God says, Hey, go forth and do this and you do it, God knows there's consequences and you better be ready for them. Cause many of the prophets and, and the apostles, he told go forth and do this. And he knew they were going to get beaten, stoned and killed. So yeah, that's the final thing is, Hey, make sure if you are responding, do it in a God honoring way. And as Mark has reiterated, pray about it before you act, especially before you post online, because when you post online, the same people that are hearing you say, oh, you should love the Lord with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, when you type that out, are also hearing you when you type out profanities and yelling and condemning people and whatever. Um, so just pray about it, uh, but also be willing to stand up, but acknowledge knowledge that there may be consequences for standing up for what is right. There is no easy way to stand up for what is right, uh, especially when it's a long-standing injustice that you're trying to write. Realize, as Mark said, you're not going to do that on your own. We need the Holy Spirit, but the church definitely should stand up and speak out. And any final comments or thoughts? I would say read Psalm 1. If you want to really know how to handle this, read Psalm 1. He, David starts out, or the psalmist starts out, blessed is the man who walks in the counsel, or who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. So the first thing we do is stay away from ungodliness. Second thing is, uh, blessed is the man who walks in the counsel, or I'm sorry, um, nor stands in the path of sinners. So the second thing is, don't stand in their path. Get away from them. Third, um, nor sits at the seat of the scornful. Three things he says. He says to don't walk, don't stand, and don't sit with ungodly people. But delight ourselves in the word of God. And when you think about this, when Psalms was written, the only word of God they had was the Pentateuch. The first five books of the Bible. Yeah, the law. The law. That's what you are to delight yourself in. And then be planted like trees by the river. So Psalm 1 is, is all about how to avoid violence. How to avoid sin. How to stand up for God. Um, I will say this, though. If you are standing up for God, you are going to have people critical of you and come against you. Um, 
even if you're not doing it to say, hey, thus saith the Lord. Um, right. Uh, I have people all the time, because I'm an African-American, people standing up saying, hey, you should have this stance on this racial thing. Uh, because I'm in a predominantly white community where they're predominantly Republican people, I have people saying, you should have this stance on this political thing. And I get criticized a lot because if it doesn't line up with the scripture, I don't care if it's a black thing, a white thing, a Republican thing, a Democratic thing. My stance is no, I'm, I'm going to line up with the scripture. And so Amen. you are going to have people come against you who think you should do this thing or that thing because you're going against the culture. Uh, but again, uh, take a stand, uh, yeah. say what's right. Uh, sometimes I have to choose words very carefully and they may not have the full impact that I want them to have because I'm trying to do it in a God honoring way. Uh, um, I'm not as concerned about offending people. I am more concerned about not representing God. Right. That scares me more than offending people. I'm okay with offending people. I am not okay with not representing God in the way that I feel his Holy Spirit is telling me he needs to be represented. So right. um, people will criticize you. People will come against you. Uh, but here's the most important thing. God will stand with you. Yeah. Jesus said that, right? Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you worse. But he says, guess what? I've overcome it all. Yeah. And so, you have to be okay with dealing with the haters. They're, yeah. They're going to be haters. And I'm okay with that. It does hurt when people say mean things or whatever and come against you or whatever, or when friends who you've had, cause we've seen that, you know, people standing up for the racial issues or political yeah. issues, people who you thought were friends would be like, I can't believe that you said that, blah, blah, blah. I had a person and she doesn't listen to this podcast. So I'll, <laughs> I'll talk about this uh, in responding to one of the racial things. Uh, I made, I made a comment on her post that I am glad that this was before the trial ended it was right when it was starting i was like i'm glad that derek chauvin is getting a trial yeah. i'm glad that he's being tried our, our system is not perfect mainly because it's dependent upon people but i'm glad that he's getting a trial and i said we don't want to go back to where crowds of people just got to say here's what's going to happen because that has ended bad in the past and she made the assumption that I was talking about the crowds of people that were telling the Derek Chauvin, you know, let go of George Floyd, stop, he can't breathe. And I said, no, I'm responding to the crowds of people that used to drag African-Americans from their homes and hang them. Mm -hmm. And that was considered justice yeah. without a trial or anything. I was like, I don't want to go back to that. Because if we did, then just like you made an assumption about what I was thinking, if you would have been able to just drag me from my home and hang me for that, you'd be wrong because that's not what I was talking about. Right. So there are going to be people that, that judge you, talk bad about you if you don't agree with them. But you've got to be willing to want. If, if I had lost her to a friend, I would have been okay with that because I believe I was standing up for what is right. So uh, we've got to be willing to pay the consequence. Uh, and even if we're not, we've got to be willing to stand up for what's right. Yeah. And that doesn't mean standing up in a violent 
way. It means making your voice heard without doing harm to others. So I'm going to ask, yeah, Mark to close us in prayer and then we'll be done. Okay. Father, we thank you once again for your son who came and died on the cross for us and rose again to give us life. And uh, we ask, Lord, that you would um, just fill this country with peace. Mm. Um, fill this country with your spirit. Mm. Um, and, Lord, that you would move into the churches once again to where the churches, the, the actual buildings, the denominations, the whatever we have, will start to see your love, your grace, your mercy poured out upon them so they can declare your love, your mercy, and your grace to those around them. Father, I pray for every pastor in their churches today yes. that you would just speak to their hearts. Lord, if they're not preaching the entire counsel of God, dig into them melt their hearts, get them into the word and let them see that this is so important mm. to, to be able to preach the entire counsel of God. Lord, I thank you for the pastors that are in my life that do do that. And I ask you to strengthen them and help them not to bow to the culture. And Lord, I just bring these requests and these, these things to you, knowing that you are God and that you care what we care about. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay.